Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 23. Booyah! Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 23. I'm your host, Travis. This is Dan. Hey, Dan. That was a great intro. It only <laughs> We're took shaking us, it up. It only took us 23 episodes to figure out the right way to do that. Well, I'm not sure it's the right way. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> and we've never professed to be in professional podcasters either, though, have we? No way. Yeah. Yeah. So cool, we've got a good episode lined up. We love hearing from people. Um, we love hearing people's feedback on you know our podcast, on the website, on the training plans. And um, it just so happened that we got some feedback yesterday as we were planning and prepping for episode 23. So Dan, do you want to share um, a little bit about what we're going to cover in episode 23? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll start out with, um, so that I'll, I'll read a little bit of the question from the email. Um, this comes from Sumo in Australia, the world down under. So um, his question is, um, so my question is towards weight training and the days I run. At the moment, I'm doing two 30-minute weight, tra- uh, weight training sessions a week to strengthen up my legs and keep basic strength in my upper, upper body. I train on Tuesdays and Thursdays. How would I go about adapting my weight training into the plan or vice versa. I live in mainly flat area, so hill repeats are out of the question. So that's really, really great questions. And so um, I, I answered Sumo directly in an email, but I thought this would be a great uh, topic to bring to the podcast. So really what we're talking about today is strength training for runners, a little bit about what your goals should be, some tips uh, on doing and incorporating uh, strength into your routine I have 13 exercises, so um, probably about a 20-minute workout that you can do, a routine. And then um, I've got some tips that I came up with and, and found regarding um, if you live in an area like he does where you don't have a lot of hills, there are some alternatives you can try. There, None of them by any means are perfect, but you know something you might be able to try. That seems like it's a very common problem or, or an opportunity yeah. for runners um, it, it's something that we struggle with here in the Midwest is finding, um, you know, you can find some rolling courses that, you know, give you a little bit of variation, but some of the workouts, I think even you call for Dan and our plans, you know, you're looking for a significant incline that, um, you know, is steady yeah. and, and that type of incline is hard to find. Um, so looking forward to seeing what you came up with there. And then also learning more about, you know, the, the value of strength training and how to fit that in. You know, it's always a balance, it seems like. If you've got, um, you know, limited time, mm-hmm. do you spend time on your feet logging miles or do you balance that with um, with training? So I, I kind of know your philosophy, but I think this will be a good um, episode for, for those people that are looking for that balance. Perfect. So let's let's dive right in. Um, let's talk about the goals of strength training for a runner. Um, here's here's what I think. A couple things. It's something to strengthen your joints and your bones. And why that's important is 
Um, if, you know, while you're running, you're doing some strength, but you're also doing the same movement over and over and over, you don't get a whole lot of variation to that. Um, and so if you do some strength training, uh, you can actually strengthen your joints and your bone density. And what will, that will contribute to is a reduction in your, your uh, risk for injury. So it's very important. And the other thing we want to do is increase our muscle strength. We know that muscle strength, and that's why hill repeats are important in plans, um, can be a, a really big speed booster. In fact, um, people that are not extremely experienced runners that are just getting started and maybe, maybe have only done like easy runs throughout their career and running, um, just increasing your hill repeats or strength um, can actually increase your speed significantly. So what you're doing is you're building a bigger engine can also make you more efficient because you have bigger muscles so you don't have to expend as much energy. What we're not doing as part of our strength training is building bulk. We don't want to go into the gym and pump iron and, and you know make our muscles big. That's, that's really not what we want to do. What we want to do is get the most out of our movements and, um, and keep the, the reps down. So those are really the goals of this. I struggle with that, Dan. Every time I get into a weight room, I mean, just like after a few reps or a few days, I just, I mean, I, I just grow so ma massive that I can't, you know, I'm joking, but. Yeah, I, I hear the sarcasm. Right. Um, okay, so let's talk about some, some tips, first of all, before we get to this 13 exercise routine. Um, here's some tips that I have for strength training. Um, so we've talked about this before, but focus on compound or functional movements, things that uh, you would actually do in real life. So, um, for example, if you do a squat, I mean, you do a basically one half of a squat when you get up from a seated position. So you're using muscles and muscle groups that actually serve a purpose in real life. And that's important for, for many reasons, including things like you're using um, multiple muscle groups, generally speaking. You're using multiple joints and strengthening those joints, uh, just, just various things. So that's really important if you do as many compound types of movements as you can, um, which I think I already mentioned includes multiple muscle groups. The other thing, well, there's several on this list, but make sure that you do it very slow and purposeful. So especially if you go to, you know, a gym and you see over in that the dumbbell section, people kind of going real fast. And what they're really doing is using their momentum. And they probably think that more reps or whatever is, is actually helping them. But the, the way muscles work is it's sort of an all or nothing. You, you have so many muscle fibers in a muscle. So it's, let's say your bicep. And, um, you might feel like you're flexing it completely, but you probably have some muscles in there that um, aren't being, or those uh, muscle um, tissue that's not being used. So essentially what you want to do is um, exhaust it, and the more exhausted you get, the more recruitment you get. So it's, it's important to go real slow because that incorporates most of them. And then um, full range of motion. So try to think of, uh, let's just say a squat. Um, you don't want to go just like halfway down and halfway back up unless you're doing like an, um, a variation of a squat. 
but you want to do your full range of motion because what that does is it incorporates all the muscle uh, tissue from the entire muscle itself. So full range of motion, slow purposeful movements. Um, you want to make sure and build up slowly. So don't just go to the gym and go crazy and, and do three sets of 15 and um, be sore for the next three days and can't do anything else. That's a really bad idea. And don't try to um, increase it any quicker than it makes sense to. So for example, you might do the first week even uh, one set of eight to 10 exercises. And it's, you don't have to alter it up. Actually, you shouldn't alter it up um, within that week or even within a couple weeks because really your body takes um, some time to adapt to everything. So if you did one set of these exercises, for example, that I gave you tonight, eight to ten reps, that you'll get benefit out of the first time you do it. You'll get benefit out of the second, third, fourth, maybe even the fifth and sixth time. So if you're going to the gym and you're doing one set of eight to ten and, and you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it anymore, then we can alter it. And maybe you do one set of ten to twelve or up that to one set to twelve to fifteen. And then eventually two sets of eight to ten. So there's various ways you can up it, um, but just don't do it too quickly and make sure you get the full benefit out of it. Really what we're doing is supplementing our training and our strength here. So uh, Sumo had mentioned he's doing 30 minutes. That's okay. I think you could probably get away with 10 or 20 minutes as well. Um, don't overdo it. Again, we're not trying to build bulk, and you can really hit multiple muscle groups in 20 minutes, make it simple, make it quick, um, in and out sort of a thing. And, and the exercises that I'm going to walk through a little, in a little bit don't really require a gym, which is really good because that means if you're traveling or doing something like that, you don't have to worry about taking equipment or finding a place to do it. Okay, so uh, a couple other things. Um, what we want to try and do, if you, you look at a training cycle, let's look at a week, for example. Uh, you might have Monday off because you just had a, a long run on Sunday. You might have a, a quality or key workout on Tuesday because you just you're coming off a recovery day, you might have an easy day the day after that. Because we're trying to recover from that key uh, workout, um, and then maybe another key, and then another easy. So it might look like um, if you looked at it on a a graph, it might go down, up, down, up, down. So Tuesday and Thursday, for example, might be the the days that you uh, have a little bit harder workouts. The thing you want to do is try to keep your strength training off those recovery days and off those easy days as much as you can because they're built in there for your body to recover and um, adapt a little bit. So avoid those recovery days. Avoid those easy days as much as you can. And that, asks the, that, that poses the question, and this is exactly what Sumo was asking, what if his harder workouts are on Tuesdays and Thursdays? And he's been doing his um, strength exercises on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's actually a good thing because you aren't um, actually doing it today on your easy days or your recovery days. The thing is you want to do it a couple of things. You want to do it after the workout. You don't want to do your strength first because really doing strength first can impair your running workout later. So you don't want to do that. 
and you want to provide a quite a bit of, of time between them. So six to eight hours, uh, according to a, some research I read uh, by a gentleman called Kenji Doma, I think that's how you pronounce his name, um, of the James Creek University, I found a study, and his suggestion was that six to eight hours, well, he basically says six, I said six to eight hours after some of those key workouts is a good time to do it because your body's had a little chance to recover and you're not doing it before the workout, then potentially not getting the benefit out of it and, and possibly putting yourself at risk for injury. And so if you do the key workout and then you do the strength strength training later that evening, let's say six to eight hours later, then the good thing is the next day your body has a chance to recover because you'll have an easy workout or a recovery day. And then kind of the final tip is um, if as you're putting together what strength exercises you want to do, um, here's just sort of a rule of thumb for deciding which ones to do first and second and third. What you would what you should do is consider that bigger muscles take more energy and they require um, in order to keep the form good for the full movement, you want those relatively fresh. So for example, you would probably want to do a squat before you'd want to do uh, like a tricep ex extension because the squat, uh, the muscles involved in the squat are much, much bigger than your tricep. So they require more energy um, and you, you want to get those out of the way first. So the bigger muscle groups first to the smaller muscle groups for those reasons. So what questions do you have, Travis, before we move on to those 13? Now, I'm just trying to think from a practical perspective that, you know, six, eight, six to eight or six hours between workouts, mm -hmm. um, you know, you'll just want to keep that in mind because I'm, you know, ideally, you know, you work out in the morning then and you give your body that recovery time um, and then possibly in the afternoon you know, it gets a little more complicated if your workouts and your days are planned around, um, you know, going to work and then, you know, you're working out afternoons, that could get a little bit more complicated to give your, you know, your body enough um, recovery time. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, yeah. it, it all comes back to making sure that you're planning your days and, you know, you work your plan a little bit. Um, That's a really good point. I think that, uh, you know, you could do something I, I've done in the past, um, sort of an afternoon lunchtime workout. You could still fit in something strength-wise in the in the evening. Um, so I, I think bigger than that is doing your your running before your strength. But really, from that research, my takeaway was six to eight hours is ideal. Mm -hmm. If it was not a if your key workout's not tremendously hard, you might be able to get away with something less than that. But um, I'll stick with, you know, his recommendation yeah. for this. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go over those 13 exercises. These are just all good, good all-around um, body weight exercises that you can use to st get strong in the right areas without bulking up um, and, and try to incorporate a lot of those tips we just talked about. Uh, we... Last time we tried to do this was with core exercises, and actually some of those are on this list. Um, and I'll, I'll do my best to try to explain the, the movement. Most people will be familiar with one of the with most of these things, but 
um, what I'll try to do a better job in posting the blogs, uh, making them a little easier to read as well. And Travis, the last time I, I spit it, I tried to say what the exercise was, and then you came back and said it much clearer. So feel free to. Uh, right. I'll do my best. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So number one is squats. And remember, we're starting with the bigger muscle groups. Most people know squats. Um, some of the key things are shoulder width apart. You can point your toes slightly out. Um, you're in a standing position. You're going to go down uh, as far as you can, uh, keeping your knees behind your toes. In other words, when you go down, you don't want to dip your knees forward in front of your toes because that puts you at risk for your knees to, to be injured. So... Uh, that's basically the down movement, and then the up movement is obviously standing right back up. You can put your arms over your head for a little more imbalance. Uh, so if you're pretty new to it, keep your arms out straight as you go down um, to help you balance. The, the other thing is sticking your rear end straight out. Um, that's really the, the main thing because that's pushing uh, and utilizing all those uh, muscles you need to incorporate by kind of sticking it out like you're sitting down on a, a seat. In fact, you can actually put a chair, uh, a shorter chair behind you um, in case you fall or it gives you a sense of, of balance so you, don't, uh, so you can actually complete the movement. Uh, number two, push-ups. So you might wonder, why do, we need, why do I need to do push-ups if I'm a runner? Well, it's really important to balance all of your muscles. Um, just because you're a runner doesn't mean you don't use your core, you don't use your arms, your back, things like that. So... It's important to balance everything. Um, Push-ups, I think most people know how to do those. You um, lay down stomach, toes, and you can do alternating. Do it on your knees instead of your toes. Um, arms out in front of your chest. Um, and you push, you know, you let yourself down, push yourself back up. And again, um, try to avoid going quick. Try to go slow and purposeful. And I think when you go really slow and purposeful for all of these things, I've heard people say, well, 8 to 10 is not that many. But I guarantee you, if you go really slow, 8 to 10 is plenty, especially with something like a push-up. Um, number three, the walking lunge. I really like the walking lunge. You could do just regular forward lunges. Uh, but the cool thing about walking lunge is you actually go somewhere. You're doing something. Regular lunges can seem a bit... I don't know, boring, I guess, but it's, it's, it is what it sounds like where you do a forward lunge and then you, um, instead of going backwards, back to your starting position, you basically stand back up um, and then you do a lunge on the opposite side. So you're, you're, you're moving yourself forward as you're doing lunges. Um, kind of some of the key things is with the lunge is when you step out, make sure you step out far enough because what you want at the bottom is, uh, let's say we're going to do a lunge with our right leg. So you, you take a step out. If you're stepping out far enough, you're going to drop your left knee towards the ground. Don't hit the ground, just as low as you can go. And your right leg should at the knee should be about a 90-degree angle. If you don't step far enough, then you're going to be, um, your knee's going to go out in front of your toes. Again, try to keep your knees behind your toes. Um, and if you step out too far, then um, you know, that there's negative consequences to that too. So you uh, go down with your knee, and then you kind of use your left leg to push yourself back up to, the start, to a new starting position, which is basically a step away from where you started. How confusing was that? 
I followed it. I followed okay. it. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. you did. Hopefully most did. And the nice thing about these, Dan, and I think we talked about this on the previous podcast too, you can almost Google um, any of these exercises and oh, find yeah. uh, demos online. But, you know, your blog entry last time did a really good job describing these in details too. I would really like to get videos or pictures, but um, we're just not there yet. So you're absolutely right. You can Google any one of these things. Yeah. Uh, number four are planks. Uh, this came from our core workout, our core section as well. And planks are great overall. They use multiple muscle groups, um, great core exercise, back, stomach, or abdomen, um, shoulders, etc. There's a couple ways you can do planks. I think in the last time we talked about it, um, I talked about it basically being on your elbows. So if you're laying on your stomach and then you put your arms underneath your chest um, at the elbow, so you're basically um, you're lifting yourself and you're, you're resting your, your body uh, with your elbows beneath your chest and you're on your toes. So you have basically a straight line uh, where your, your core, your, your abs and your back, are supporting uh, basically everything in between. You can also do it basically as a uh, push-up position. It's the same sort of thing. It's a little bit harder because you're using a lot more accessory muscles, um, shoulder, um, uh, biceps, you know, chest, everything. Uh, and so it's a little bit more advanced, but it's just another way to, to do sort of a plank. Um, number five, step-ups. And so this is what it sounds like. It's kind of like doing, um, I guess, kind of lunges, except for you're going to go up. Um, you could do this at a high school stadium or any place that has steps, basically. You're going to step up and then step back down. And this this works on several muscle groups, um, kind of like squats and lunges. Uh, but what you're doing is introducing the concept of gravity uh, so you're um, putting a little bit more strength into those muscles by uh, lifting yourself up. So basically do, when I say um, 8 to 10 reps, I do 8 to 10 involving both limbs. So for example, you would probably end up doing 16 to 20, um, considering you would have to do 8 to 10 on your right leg and 8 to 10 on your left leg. Um, number 6. Number 6, um, you know... Pull-ups are great, uh, a fantastic exercise. It, it would require something to pull yourself up on, like a pull-up bar or something. Um, so I can see a lot of people skipping these, plus pull-ups are not exactly the easiest thing to do. They're, they're I don't know, they're just hard for people to do because that, that level of strength you need to uh, pull yourself is, is quite a bit. What you can do if you have access to a pull-up bar um, is get yourself to the top. You can generally get yourself to the top where your chin is over the bar. And rather than doing full pull-ups, you could just hold yourself and see how long you can hold yourself at that position. And then once you can't hold yourself at that position anymore, slowly bring yourself back down to the starting position. And that, that could be considered all of your reps for the pull-up. And if you do that over and over, you'll end up being able to do one and then you'll end up being able to do two. So you build yourself up that way. Uh, the pulp is just great for um, your upper back, your shoulders, uh, a lot of great things there, especially if you're um, 
into triathlon and stuff, but even as a runner. Yeah, Dan, I just um, I just jumped onto Amazon and searched pull-up bar. There's tons of these doorway pull-up bars. I, I know one of the things you talked about is you know most of these exercises, if not all of those, you can do in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something we invested in a couple years ago, and, and um, we've actually used it quite a bit. So you can find these things anywhere from it looks like 25 bucks up to $60. So maybe in the blog, um, you know, we could put a couple of these as referen- references, but mm-hmm. um, they just attach right onto your doorway, um, and it's worked great for us. It's cheap. It's easy. It's a really good investment. Um because you know it, how it you use your body weight. I mean, it's just a tool that you can hang. It's very easy to use and um, useful for many things. Yeah. Uh, number seven, bicycles. Another ab workout. Um, and this one, I, this was one of the harder ones to explain. But um, you're basically going to lie down on your back. You're going to um, bring your knees to basically a ninety degree angle to the floor. Your, your legs are, nine, are parallel to the floor. Um, put your hands to the side of your head. I prefer not to put them behind your head because we tend to pull. And if you pull, you can put some strain on your neck. Um, so put them on the side of your head with your elbows out. And then basically what you're going to do is pedal like you're pedaling a bicycle. That's why they're called bicycles. So your legs are going to go out in front of you. Your right leg's going to go out while your left leg's going to go in. You're going to do that circular motion with your legs. Um, and as you do that, try to take your your elbows and match the alternating leg. So if I'm doing this, I'm um, bringing my left knee in and my right leg out. And as I'm bringing my left knee in, I'm matching my right elbow to it. So it's kind of a twisting motion. What that does is works uh, a lot of the oblique muscles while you're working your core ab muscles by extending your legs. And all that movement helps, you know, create uh, a lot more instability in your core and, str- and adds a lot more strength and balance that way. How, how was that one, Trav? Did you follow that, was, that one? That was well done. That was well done. <laughs> You've been Good. practicing these all day, haven't you? I Well... Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a tough one, though. That's a tough that one, one is to describe. tough. But once you see, you know, once you see it, and you know, it's not, it's not a bad exercise at all. No, it's actually very. It's one of the easier ones and more effective ones. That's why I like it so much. Uh, number eight, mountain climbers. Um, so think of yourself in a um, push-up position. Put your uh, let's start with the left. Your left foot as far up as you can, so it'll be pretty close to right underneath your chest. So that's your start, sort of starting position. Um, you're, so you're in a sort of a push-up position. Your toes um, on your toes and on the palms of your arms with your with one of your legs, um, then underneath your chest. And what you're going to do is alternate your legs so that one is underneath your chest and one is all the way back. And then switch it. You kind of it's kind of a jumping movement. It it works a lot of different areas. Um, it works a lot more of your core. It works your um, your leg muscles. So it's really good to um, sort of balance it out. Number nine are hip raises. 
and we talked about this one in the core exercises as well. Um, this is laying on the floor, sort of your arms to your side, your uh, legs at a 90 degree angle, slightly, slightly less than 90 degree. And then you're just simply going to um, shift your pelvis up so that you're um, between your neck, which is still on the ground, and your feet that are still in the, or your knees that are still in the air, you're going to have a straight line essentially. So it's basically straightening your body. And what this strengthens not only your core, but your hips, which are really good for uh, reduction in injury and increasing your efficiency for runners. Uh, number 10 are rows. So rows typically require some sort of weight, like a, a dumbbell or um, things like that. But um, one of my nifty books that I got, was a, it's a whole book on um, body weight exercises. And, and this guy gets really, really clever. Um, and I really like to do this because honestly, if I take a, a dumbbell and I do rows, um, you have to do one arm at a time typically. It takes more time. Well, I like doing it this way better. He takes a broomstick and he takes, you know, you could do a couple chairs, you could do boxes, whatever fits your fancy. Um, you've got your broomstick resting on the chairs, let's say, and then you're going to take your uh, sort of a not wide, not narrow, but in between natural grip, and then you pull yourself up. And what that does is it allows you to basically do the rows um, using your own body weight, both sides at one time, uh, works your upper back really well, works your lower back too because you're supporting yourself. You're, you know, your heels are still on the ground. You're basically making your, your body align. Um, it's just a really simple way to do it, and who doesn't have a broomstick? All right, uh, number 11 is a Superman, and this is also um, works actually quite a bit of things, but uh, Superman or... You can actually do what I like to call hot dog banana. Yeah. I've seen this on a, a workout video before. Um, but Superman is basically where you lay down flat on the floor as you're as if you're Superman, arms straight out, legs straight out, and you're going to um, you're going to extend your upper body up and your and your legs up and pivot sort of on your abdomen. And what this does is is work your entire back. Um, a little bit of your glutes, a little bit of, you know, your hamstrings, um, shoulders, etc. You're going to hold that position for 5-10 seconds and then release. And that would be one set, or I'm sorry, that would be one repetition. So basically you keep that extension and then recovery. And I know, I mean, the first time I heard that, Dan, I, I think you, um, you know, it was one of the first plans you developed for me. I'm like, oh, that would, that's easy. You know, what is this? <laughs> You know, it's laying flat on the floor and just, you know, subtle movements of your arms and legs. But I'll tell you that it's very tough and it's a good exercise for your lower back. And um, it's well worth it. Once you do eight to ten of those, you'll feel that. Especially if you're going slow and purposeful. Right. Think yeah. think slow for all these things. Full range of motion, slow. Um, number 12. We're almost done with these. Number 12. Um, I actually love doing chin-ups. Chin-ups, um, you know, you've, you've done your pull-ups. That works certain parts of your body. Chin-ups um, works sort of the front side of that equation. Um, 
So another good reason to invest in that bar because, um, you know, then you can do both exercises. But it's basically instead of a pull-up where as you're grabbing the bar, your knuckles are facing behind you, um, now you're, you're grabbing the bar and your knuckles are facing away from you. Works uh, your biceps, your shoulders, your, your forearm muscles, uh, a little bit of your chest. Um, works a lot of that, the front side of that equation, so it's good to balance that. And then number 13, this doesn't really sound like an exercise, but um, I think I learned this in USA Triathlon uh, class. Bobby McGee was teaching the class and talking about different things you can do to reduce injury. And I made notes, and I came across this recently again. Um, but basically, if you're, if you're walking, but you're walking backwards, and you're walking backwards on your heel, on your heels, uh, what this does is it helps the front part of your legs, um, the, the shins, basically your shins, um, and it, it strengthens those and can give you a, a reduction in your risk for like shin splints and that sort of thing. It strengthens that front side. Um, I typically don't prescribe uh, doing calf raises, although you could add that. Um, a lot of people, as they run, strengthen their calves already. And so if, if you're one of those people that have um, shin splints, I would do both that backwards heel thing and some, some calf raises. Um, but it's, it's really good for reducing that risk for injury there. So that's 13 of them. And I think if you did one set of those, eight to 10 to start out, uh, eight, to, eight to 10 repetitions, if you go slow, you do use full range of motion on all those things. You'll probably feel pretty accomplished. You could probably do this routine in, in 20 minutes or less, and that's really all you need two or three times a week max. Yeah, I was going to ask you how long do you think it would take. Um, so 20 minutes, you, you know, you, th you think that you can almost squeeze that in before bed. Or, uh, and what I like about those is you don't have to have a gym membership. You don't have to do right. Um, you could do this in your living room with, you know, with the family or dur during commercials. You could find time to squeeze any of those exercises in. Or if you have, do like I do. I have my daughter. She, I give her the the clipboard, and I write those exercises on there, and she holds me accountable to it. Gets her involved. It, it makes her, um, you know, see the importance of it, uh, and it it makes me do it. And I bet she loves giving dad a hard time too. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's she what, even comments about my form sometimes. Yeah, that's what you call a win-win right there. <laughs> that's right. Um, okay, so that's those are 13 exercises I think that will work for most people. Um, and then to address um, the other side of the question where, uh, in Sumo's case, hill repeats are not possible because he lives in a, what I call the hill-challenged area. Um, here's just a few things you might consider doing. And I, some of these are going to roll your eyes probably, but... Um, I think the obvious are stairs, um, maybe a, a tall apartment building or a tall office building. There's, there's never a lack of stairs. And running up stairs is no joke. Those are, those are a lot harder than hill repeats. But it, it can give you that same sort of sense. Um, maybe even better are bleachers. Uh, the, what I liked about bleachers, you know, thinking back to high school, it's been a while, but um, the bleachers were, um, at least ours were wood. And they weren't a full step. Like if you go to a, a stair, 
uh, or maybe they were a full step, but they were longer. So as you're running, you don't have to, you know, running upstairs, it's kind of cramped. You gotta go real, you know, quick turnover, and you're you're going up. Whereas uh, bleachers, you can have a little bit more natural um, stride because they're a little bit further apart, um, and it actually gives you a little bit of bouncing motion too. Kind of makes it easier. Uh, so bleachers are, are potentially a good option if you have those available to you as well. There's always the treadmill, which I don't know. It's it's a good option if you, um, especially in the winter time or something, if you need some simulate some some hills uh, to up the the degree. Um, what do you call that? Uh, incline. Incline. Yep. yep. Increase the incline in your treadmill. That can give you some uh, of that sort of thing. Um, one thing I read was what they called bridge repeats. Um, pretty popular in Florida, so I hear. They, um, they've got several bridges that, that cross canals and stuff, and they don't have a ton of incline to them, but uh, enough that if you go over and back over and back over, that you get some of that, um, some of that hill repeat sort of effect. So I thought that was interesting. Um, you can run on a flat surface while dragging something, like a tire. That's a pretty popular one. Um, I was reading this article about a guy that wanted to do that but didn't know what he needed to actually drag the tire. Like, how do you do that? So he went to the department store and, and got some, some guy that um, evidently hunts a lot. So this might sound kind of weird, but um, after the guy understood what he was trying to do, he said, well, we have the same problem when we're trying to drag a dead deer out of the woods. So I guess there's this harness or something that you can buy that straps, uh, straps to you and then has something to, to go back to, to drag the poor deer that got shot. You can do the same thing and hook up a tire or something heavy. And what that simulates is the same sort of thing that um, Hill does. Hill, a hill makes gravity harder to overcome. Um, if you're dragging something heavy, heavy you're, you're simulating a similar effect. So that's another option. And then maybe another option is uh, running in an area that is not as easy. So what I mean by that is if you run on a road, there's, there's very little resistance to running on, on flat concrete or a track. Um, but if you're running off-road, like on a, a trail, something muddy, as long as you're being safe, um, especially sand, running in sand is not easy, um, or deep snow, um, if, if you have the right sort of footwear, I guess, for it. Uh, those are things that make the running harder and make you have, a, have to overcome a little bit more. Uh, just might be something that you can incorporate to overcome the challenge of not having hills. So that's pretty much in a nutshell what I had for strength training for runners. Very good. Um... Sumo, thanks for the question, and Dan, as always, thanks for the research and the effort you put into this. I was just watching the clock. Um, you know, we're almost to forty minutes of solid content that you <laughs> that you put together in a short amount of time. So all that stuff is very good. Um, you know, one thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about the hills too. Um, you know, typically people always associate with the incline. And I know when we ran Boston a few years ago, it wasn't so much the incline that um, bothered us during the race, but, you know, the first half of the Boston Marathon is all kind of a gradual downhill. Mm -hmm. And we had not trained um, at all for, you know, 
what our bodies would be going through, you know, 13.1 miles going downhill and, and the impact that it had on our quads of kind of just resisting that downhill. So um, sometimes, depending on the course and, you know, what you're preparing for, don't um, underestimate the value of training to run downhills too. Very good point. Yeah. In fact, I, I like to a lot of times run on trails because, one, it's different. You got, uh, you know, things around you that you don't normally have. You have to pay attention to the train, that sort of thing. But what I like about it more is you typically go up and down and up and down and up and down. So you get a little bit of, of training for, for those things as well, uh, both aspects of that. So it's a very good point, Travis. So, Dan, that, that tees up, I think, maybe our next episode because um, – we had talked about, um, or I found this in our Random Runners World. This came from, it looks like, uh, the April 2015 magazine, and it's talking about the different running surfaces. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're fine with that, let's just make that our next episode, talking about the value of running on the road versus the trails versus grass versus track. Um, yeah. I, I bet we can get enough content um, there for twenty episode twenty four. Let's do it. Okay. I'm writing it down. Perfect. Um, well, Dan, anything else before we close today? Um, no, I think that's all I had. Okay, awesome. We've got the PR challenge still going on. Um, over the last couple of days, RunFit three sixty five had a. It seems like a lot of activity with people downloading plans. So any. Um, help you guys can have to offer and spread the word for RunFit365 and the uh, PR challenge. We always appreciate that. Um, stay tuned to the blog and the podcast. We, you know, um, Dan's always putting good stuff out there. Um, and, and I think we figured out the intro after 23 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but we promise we'll continue to get better. Dan, do you want to close this out? Uh, yep. I do. Um, Have a great week and happy training.